0: Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. Well, as always, it's always an honor and a privilege to have the opportunity to be able to share in one of our uh, morning services, and, and I'm so thankful. For Pastor Allen and Miss Joy uh, giving me the opportunity. And how many of you guys know that we have the best pastors in the world here at the Ark? They are such a huge blessing. Our staff's a blessing, and all of you uh, have been a huge blessing to me. Have you ever, and I think I know the answer to this, but have you ever had a bad day? I'm not talking about, you know, something here, I'm talking about. One of those days where you get up and you're like, I need a do-over, right? Like you wish you had a reset button or you wish you could wipe the slate clean. Anyone else have a day like that ever? Yeah. I found something uh, I thought was interesting online and just wanted to share with you. It's called indications that you've had a bad day. It says you know it will be a bad day when you wake up and your braces are stuck together. Says, you know you've had a bad day or you're gonna have a bad day when your twin sister forgets your birthday. You know you'll have a bad day when your birthday cake collapses from the weight of the candles. How about this one? It says, you know it'll be a bad day when you put both contact lenses in the same eye. This one's pretty bad. It says, you know your day is gonna be bad when the pacemaker that you have is recalled by the manufacturers. Or here's one, it says, you know your day's going to be very bad when your car horn goes off accidentally and remains stuck as you follow a motorcycle gang on the freeway. <laughs> here's one I like, it says, you know it's going to be a very bad day when the birds singing outside your window is a flock of buzzards. <laughs> it says, you know you're going to have a bad, bad day when you're answering service, when you call your answering service and they tell you that it's none of your business. Last two here, it says, you know your day is going to be bad when your income tax check bounces. And finally, you know it's going to be a bad day when you see a 60-minute news team waiting for you at your office. I think we all have bad days. You know, and as I was putting this together, I thought about one of the days in my life that was very bad happened when I was 19 years old. How many of you know that 19-year-olds know everything, right? We know everything. And When I was 19, you know, I knew everything, and I remember my my mom and my dad were always on me. You see, I I, I took this whole concept of faith a little too far. You see, whenever I drove my car, I never put gas in it, and so um, it it always would crop up and hurt me in the wrong times. And so this one particular day, uh, my dad had his car was in the shop, and he was going to need me. <coughs> excuse me, he was going to need me to pick him up from work, and so. Uh, the phone call came in around 10 o'clock, and may I say, during this time, we didn't have cell phones, so keep that in mind. And so uh, the phone call came in. It was around 9, 9.30ish, and he needed to be picked up at 10 o'clock. And, and so I was on my way out the door, and my mom says, Derek, make sure you put gas in your car. And I said, Mom, I got this. Don't worry about it. I got this. So I started off to go get my dad, and I didn't have it because I ran out of gas halfway To get my dad. We were on the freeway, we were on a not so good side of town, and I had no idea what to do. So I was there with my little sister, my best friend, and we were like puzzled as to what our next step was. I happened to see a fire truck going down a road that ran parallel to the freeway and thought, okay, we can get to the fire station, we can get a phone, we can call someone to help us. The only thing is, is on the side of town we were on, there was a large fence that ran parallel to the freeway that we would have to cross in order to get to the fire station. And so we walked along the the freeway until we found a little gap where I could push my sister through and push my best friend through. And this gap happened to be right where our freeway was going over another freeway. So instead of me letting them help me get through, I said, you know what? I got this. I'm going to go over the top of the fence. And so I began to climb over the top of the fence. And as I climbed up, the fence started to to give a little bit and it began to sway backwards. And again, I'm over this freeway and so I panicked and so I lunged forward. When I lunged forward, the fence grabbed my jeans and ripped the entire right side of my (laughs) jean legs off all the way down to the bottom. And so now I have jeans on the left side and revealing stuff on on the right side. And I had to walk down this street in this neighborhood, exposed, embarrassed, um, until we got to the fire station. Can you agree with me? That, that's a pretty bad day, isn't it? <laughs> but what happens when our bad day becomes a bad season? When we find ourselves stuck in a place of grief, of torment, of anger, of anxiousness, what happens when we find ourselves in that position? I believe that we can learn from Jesus himself on how to respond in those seasons in those times. Let's look at what it says in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I believe that we can learn from him. The Bible says he's the author and the finisher of our faith, and that we are to look to him for guidance in everything. So let's talk about this. Jesus, in one of the most gut-wrenching, challenging stories you've ever read in the Bible. We've seen movies, we've read the scriptures. We know what he was up against and what he went through when he went to the cross. The Bible tells us he was beaten. The Bible tells us he was spat upon, that he was mocked, that he was ridiculed. Our savior went through all of those things for you and I. But let's unpack it a little bit and let's learn from him on how we can respond when life gets tough. The first thing that we see early on is that Jesus walked in forgiveness. Again, they beat him, they mocked him, they spat on him, they took his things. This is Jesus, and they're doing this to him. But he responded accordingly. In Luke 23, 34, it says, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. You see, what we have to realize is God calls us and he models for us that we are to walk in forgiveness. Sometimes we are stuck because of what someone else did to us. But can I tell you, forgiveness, when you walk in forgiveness, you're not saying what happened to you is okay, but what you're doing is is you're making a decision not to live your life in anger. Not to be hateful about the situation, not to carry yourself in judgment, but to release the weight of it. Did you know science is catching up with Scripture? And science is now learning and doctors are all saying that a lot of what ails us, a lot of the afflictions and sickness and disease, the root of it is bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness, we've got to be willing to let things go. Jesus himself did it. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And forgiveness is an act of faith and an act of trust. And understand, by having that spirit of forgiveness, Jesus, he was retaining control of the situation. When it appears he was being victimized by it, he was actually mastering the moment. When you and I can walk in forgiveness, we are taking a position of authority, position of power. Forgiving someone is not weak. Forgiving someone is actually strength. And so we have to be willing to let it go. The second thing we see when it comes to the experience on the cross is that Jesus was willing to take his eyes off of his situation and put his focus on others. You see, the story goes on to tell us that when Jesus was crucified, there were two others there with him who were being crucified also, two criminals. And one of the criminals began to mock Jesus and and, and pick at him and say, if you're, you're supposed to be the son of God, why don't you do something about this? But then the other criminal acknowledged who he was. And let's look at what Jesus says here. In Luke 23, it says, And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. You see, Jesus took his focus off himself and put his focus on those who were next to him. And we have to be willing to help others. The criminals on either side of Jesus, they were experiencing the same kind of pain and same kind of agony he was. But rather than focusing, again, on his own pain, he extended his concern to them. Can I tell you, there are times where we're going to have to figure out how to be an encouragement to someone else. But you say, Derek, I'm stuck. I'm in this loop. I got nothing. You have the word of God. I remember in one of my darkest, most challenging seasons of my life, that's where I was. I remember thinking, I got nothing. I got nothing for you. People would come and they would tell me about where they were. And in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. But then the Lord began to work on the inside of me, work on me as far as getting outside of myself. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to use the word of God. And so the next time someone came to me and they began to unpack about what was going on in their life and how they were struggling, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, behold, I make all things new. And I remember looking at them and saying, you know what? Stay encouraged because God's going to make all things new in your life. Someone else would come and they would tell me their life story and what was they were dealing with and what had happened to them. And I would say, nope, you know what? Keep your chin up because God makes all things new. And that became the thing that I used to encourage people. I didn't have anything, but the word of God had the answer for everybody. And as I began to latch on to that for what I believe was for other people, guess what? That word began to work on the inside of me. As I encourage others, I began to encourage my own self. And so we have to be willing to get outside of ourselves to encourage those around us. It might mean just having a listening ear. Be willing to listen, but be willing to help those around you. Do you know a single mom? Help her. You know a single dad? Help him. You know a young person struggling? Encourage him. Find ways to be a blessing to other people. Jesus found that. And if you don't know anything else to do, let me just encourage you. Make a decision to serve at the local church. Get involved in serving. You know, I, I, I know people who have actually told me that they were going through a tough time, but when they started serving and holding babies, and one lady actually said, every time I wipe that poop, It just blesses me. That makes no sense to me, but it blessed her. But what did she do? In her state, she made a decision that she couldn't stay there, that she was going to get involved and do something for someone else, and ministering to the needs of those babies is helping to lift her out of the funk that she's in. Does that make sense? And so we want to get outside of ourselves to be a blessing for other people. We want to forgive. We want to bless other people. And then the next thing we want to do is we want to take our hard questions to God. When you feel lost and out of touch with God, we want to make sure that we're directing our, our questions, our concerns, our words to him and not to man. In Matthew 27, it says, In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was crying out to the Father on the cross. Lord, why have you forsaken me? The story doesn't end there. We'll, we'll pick that up in a minute. But you, what you and I have to realize is, is we have a promise in Hebrews where, where Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is always with us, but he wants us to take our concerns, take our petitions, take our requests, take our questions to him. And if we'll do that, guess what? When we cry out to God, he responds. He gives you answers. He speaks life. He speaks encouragement. And so we have to be willing to do that. Even though Jesus felt abandoned, he still prayed. He still called out to God. Have you ever felt alone? If you have, let me encourage you. Call out to God. Cry out to God. Do, do something for me. Just for a minute. Say, Jesus is, in the room. Jesus is in the room. All right, now say it like you believe it. Say, Jesus is, in the room. Jesus is in the room. See, I think that's important. We need to realize that Jesus is with us wherever we go. You go to Kroger, Jesus is with you. You're on 45, in your car, Jesus is with you. You're at work, Jesus is with you. When you're at home by yourself, Jesus is with you. I remember I, I taught this to a bunch of young people one time, and I said, hey, Jesus is in the room, and I had the kids say it. They said, let's say it over and over and over. Jesus is in the room, Jesus is in the room, Jesus is in the room. And I remember a week later, and there was this kid, he was one of our, our youth, he was about 14, He came back and he called me Mr. D. He said, Mr. D, man, you messed up everything. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, man, I was with this girl and, uh, you know, we were just getting close and things were about to jump off. And then all I could hear was is Jesus is in the room. (laughs) So we have to remember he's always with us. He's always with us. Even in those times when we feel stuck, Even in those times when we feel we're all alone, we have to remember Jesus is in the room. And my encouragement is, is in those times, call out. Speak out. And he will respond. Does that make sense, guys? And so we want to cry out to God. And while he may seem absent, he's never far away. You know, one of my favorite stories is a story in the Bible about David and his men. They'd gone away. They were in this battle, and uh, they're out fighting. And when they come back home, all their wives, children's possessions, everything's been taken. Everything's gone. The Bible says that the men that were with David talked about stoning David because they were in this situation. The Bible says that, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. He pressed in. He cried out to God. And when he cried out to God, God responded. David said, Lord, shall I pursue? And the Lord said, pursue. And you will recover all. Scripture goes on to say that David did exactly what the Lord said. And he recovered all. Guys, it's our responsibility to cry out to God. God wants to give us the answers that we're looking for. But we need to cry out to him. And when we cry out to him, We have a promise that he will respond. So we want to forgive. We want to look out for the needs of others. Take our hard questions to God. The next thing we want to do is we want to be honest honest and acknowledge our need for him. We've got to be willing to, to humble ourselves sometimes. Maybe you're like me and maybe you have this mindset where you think, I can deal with it on my own. I can figure this out. I don't need anyone else. Guys, do you know that God never intended for us to do life alone? That we actually need one another? If you didn't know, now you know. We need each other. There is no one so spiritual to where you don't need someone. We're stronger together. We're safer together. And as the body of Christ, God uses us in a greater capacity together. But he needs us whole. And so we've got to be willing to acknowledge our need. In John 19, 28, we see here, it says, earlier on Jesus was offered a drink and he refused it, but now he, he says, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst. Earlier on he refused it, this time he accepted it. He accepted it because right after this, he's getting ready to make a declaration that changed everything. You and I have to be willing to receive help. We have to. We have to. You know, this, this um, topic is near and dear to my heart because I found myself stuck several years ago In a matter of uh, uh, a few years, I lost three of the four most important people in my life. I lost my uncle, who was the main reason I came to Christ and and began going down the path that I'm on. I lost my grandmother, my granny, who was my rock, the one who helped me to become strong and and independent and, and disciplined and determined. And then I lost the one that really knocked me off kilter i lost my mom my mother and uh, i lost her may 9th 2013 right before mother's day and uh, it was a it was a tough one for me and i found myself in this loop and friends and my wife and the people at work all wanted to encourage me and help me and 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 give me a hand to help me move forward, and I refused it all. And I found myself in this loop because I was doing some unhealthy things. The Lord began to show me that. My mom passed on in May, and for the next month and a half, every day, multiple times a day, I would pull out my phone, and I would call her phone number, and I would listen to her voicemail just to hear her voice. And whenever I did that, I'd find myself heavier and heavier and heavier. It was doing me no good, none whatsoever. You see, I had this fear that if I deleted it, that I would forget every trace of her. But God began to speak to my heart through my wife through my alone time with him, and I realized what I had to do. And so I called out. I said, God, I need your help. I need your help, and I I need to know exactly what it is you need me to do. And just on the inside, I knew what I needed to do. I had to delete that voicemail. Guys, can I tell you, when God tells you to do something, You need to trust him. And so I still remember the day, and I still remember where I was. I was on 45 between AirTex and Ritchie Road. I pulled off to the side of the road, and I said, okay, God, I'm trusting you. And I hit delete. And there were some tears in that car. You see, what I didn't realize was God was already working behind the scenes to give me something that I knew I needed. You see, everybody who's been in my life has always poured into me, encouraged me, um, has always been a pillar in my life, my uncle, my grandmother, and my mother. They were people who spoke faith into me, who encouraged me to be the best version of myself, And that day when I made a decision to follow God and be obedient to what he was telling me to do, God tapped someone else on the shoulder. And I'll never forget, because it was that following Wednesday night, I came to church and the Lord dropped it on someone's heart to come up to me and tell me that I was their son. And it so blessed my heart because it was an answer to God's prayer that I had. And so, Miss Janet, thank you, because you're an answer to prayer. And I can tell you all of the things and more that I used to get from my mother, I get from this woman, not because she Needs to have another son because she has three beautiful, successful, blessed kids of her own. But she's following what the Lord dropped in her heart. Guys, if you're willing to trust the Lord, he will put you on a path that will bless you and that will keep you as you move forward. And maybe you're here today, maybe you've lost a loved one, someone who's been near and dear to your heart. Let me remind you of the scriptures. You see, they're gone, and and I get that. But the Bible says that we don't mourn like those who have no hope. We will see them again. In my mom's situation, she was in a wheelchair my entire life. But I can tell you what, there's no wheelchairs in heaven. So we've got to trust God But move forward. Why? Because God has things in store for you. Better days are ahead. Amen? So we want to forgive. We want to be a blessing to those around us. We want to take our hard questions to God. We want to be honest and acknowledge our need. And number five is is we want to be assured that better days are ahead. We have to have faith that better days are ahead. We have to have faith that it's not over. That God's not done with me yet that there's still good in the world. Jesus earlier said, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" But then after saying I thirst, after getting water, here's what he says in John 19:30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, "It is finished," and bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. He said it is finished. Words of faith. It's a statement of triumph. It is finished. Jesus didn't see the victory yet, but he lays hold of it by faith. You and I need to be able to look at our situation where we're at and be willing to say out of our mouth, Lord, better days are ahead. Lord, I'll get through this, and on the other side of this, I'll be stronger Lord, our family is going to be in a healthier place on the other side of this. When we can speak words of faith about our situation, it propels us into the things that God has for us. There's nothing that we have gone through or will ever go through that God's hand can't work in if we'll only have faith in him. I ask you this morning, is there any too, anything too, too difficult for God? Is there anything too difficult for God? Now let's personalize it. Is there anything too difficult for God for you? No. God can take you out of the situation you're in today and move you into a new season. God will take you out of where you're at today and move you into a new season. He's going to. But you have to have faith. You have to trust him. And you have to believe him. And just like he did with Jesus, God will turn your bad day, your bad day, your bad year, and your bad season to a life of something new. So we want to forgive. We want to look out for the needs of others. Take our hard questions to God. We want to be be honest and acknowledge our needs. We want to be assured of better days ahead. And then finally here, we want to surrender it all to God and let it go. When we're willing to let it go, what we're saying is, is, God, I trust you. In Luke 23, 46, Jesus cried out and he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This morning, some of us, we need to, out of our own mouth, say, Father, I com- into your hands I commit my heart. Father, into your hands I commit this relationship. Father, into your hands I commit, and you fill in the blank. But you need to commit it to the Lord. You need to give it to him. And then don't don't do what Derek used to do, because I was very bad about this. But I would say, yeah. You know, I hear a message, and i would say, okay, God, I'm going to give it to you. And I'd give it to God, and then an hour would pass by, and I'd say, God, you're taking too long. And I'd go grab it back and, and, and take it back. No. Give it to the Lord and leave it with the Lord. And trust it. Now, healing is a process. Restoration is a process. But trust God. And know that if He said it, it's gonna come to pass. At times we can find ourselves reliving the struggle of it all over and over and over, asking ourselves when is this finally gonna end? The way to go through a bad season is to place it in the hands of God and leave it there once and for all. Jesus' statement was not one of a wearied resignation, but one of trust. It was an act of trust in the Father, in his faithfulness, and in his own word. God is faithful, folks. God is faithful. He's still in the, ble- in, in the business of blessing today. And he wants to move in all of our lives but we have to let him. We have to remember that he's always with us. He's in the room. And we have to remember that there's nothing too difficult for him. We have to remember to cry out to him, call out to him, and know that he will answer. And when he answers, he's going to move you into a new season. So here's the deal. Here's what I found. In settings like this, it's very easy for us to agree that God is good that God is faithful, that God has a new season for me, that, that, that better days are ahead. It's very easy in settings like this. But when we exit the parking lot and go home is when we need to begin to put these things into practice. This morning, I want to encourage you with this final scripture and let you know that if you're willing to step out in faith, God will bless you. From our Bible 365 reading uh, yesterday, Psalm 31:24 it says, "Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all of you who hope in the Lord. You don't have to do it in your own strength. Be of good courage. Trust in Him. trust in His faithfulness. Trust in His word, and He will strengthen your heart and lead you into your new season." Will you bow your heads? Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Father, I thank you that your word has gone forth. And Lord, I just thank you that it's fallen on good ground and it will produce in the lives of those who were stuck here this morning. Lord, we just ask that as we cry out to you and call out to you, we thank you, Lord God, for giving us the answer and the clarity on how to move forward. And we trust, Lord God, you and your word wholeheartedly. Now with every head bowed and eye closed this morning, maybe you're here today and this is all new to you and, and, and you found yourself stuck and challenged with getting out of this loop that you're in and letting go of some things. and Maybe you find yourself in a place where you've never made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Or maybe you're here this morning and, and, and you've known Jesus in the past, but somewhere along the line, you've gotten off track. And you want to make a course correction today. If either one of those uh, descriptions fits you this morning, I just want to encourage and let you know that today is a day that the tide of the battle turns in your life that God's getting ready to do something new, something special in your life. But it begins today because as you make a decision to make him number one, to make him your Lord, he's going to do something special in you. So today, if you say, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life for the first time, or I want to come back to him with every head bowed and eye closed, if if that describes you, I'm going to ask you as an act of faith, if you'll raise your hand and say, Jesus, Today is my day. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. You can put those down. Lord, we, think, we, we just thank you for those hands. And, and today as a church family, like we do every week, we're just going to say a prayer together. Just repeat after me. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior, and I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I am a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.